Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Uh, I got money on my mind, I can never get enough. Come on now. <laughs> Here we go, everybody. Suns will move on. The Suns win. Oh, brother. Can they stay there? You better believe it. Today. Oh, Luke, how does that feel right now? <laughs> so good. It's not always going to be pretty. Who cares what the box scores say? You know, it's on to the next series. Make millions every oh, year. I couldn't agree more with that sentiment. Yeah. All I do, it's so innate, isn't it, Bazillionians? Here we go. Game five. I've got your game five right here, baby. Sorry to send you home, Tyler. Top Booker from 15. Yes, indeed. Devin Booker. When he's called upon, <laughs> he answers the call. And they stay there. Yeah. And they stay there. Oh, yeah. And they stay there. Here we go. Okay, that's just, it feels so right on this beautiful Wednesday morning. We should just play Booker highlights to music, and that would take us three plus hours of this show. It really would. We, we, yes. I, I'm glad, see, I, we hadn't discussed if we were going to do that coming out of the break to you know, start the show or whatever. I feel like we have to do it every time the Suns win a series at the very least. Yes. And what, Especially when Book goes off. Well, it's funny because Chris Paul said it in one of those cuts you just heard. Maybe it wasn't pretty. Maybe the box score wasn't pretty. Uh, a win's a win. And and uh, A, it was kind of pretty because Booker put up 47 and he looked unstoppable. But B, man, I could not agree more. I, I get it. It's the playoffs. You're looking for things that might be wrong. Certainly the team needs to be doing that, Wolf. There are things. It's not like this team's perfect. But they're 12-1 and one when they have Kevin Durant out there. And if Devin Booker's going to put, like, all I really yeah. care about this time of year is the wins. Yeah. They won the series in five games. It's a win. I know. You know what? Honestly, though, every time um, we start having these big picture conversations, I think of the players. I really do. I think of the players inside that locker room. I, I've got a player's mentality. I am always going to have that point of view, that perspective right now. You don't want to talk about what you did well in this series. You don't. You want to talk about what you didn't do well. You want to pick that scab. You want to do it. You want to focus on on the, the negatives, if you will, and ignore the positives. Yes, you want to reinforce what you do well and understand that. Yes, players can gain confidence from that. But overall, once again, you got to focus. If you're a player, if you're Monty Williams and you're a player inside that locker room, you got to focus on what you need to do better. Yeah, and, and absolutely, because it's one playoff series win. But I'm saying if you're a fan... You oh, gotta yeah. enjoy this too. Like also, also live in the moment of this because this we could be on the edge of something really special with this team. It absolutely could happen this year. I know what is there like fourteen, thirteen teams still technically left in the playoffs. Twelve Minnesota's gone to, or yeah, twelve or thirteen left. Yeah, realistically though. It's like four or five that could actually win the title at this point. And the Suns are certainly one of them. And again, I would argue, 
of those four or five, they're the one team you don't know their ceiling of yet. So I get it. There was problems last night. They scored 61 points, and they were down by nine at halftime. They should have put this team away in the, in the second half when the Clippers had nothing to play for at that point. They were down almost 20. Yeah. They knew they weren't getting Kawhi or Paul George back the rest of the series. So they're probably not winning the series, and they were run uh, Russell Westbrook layup away from tying it. But you also have Devin Booker doing something special, and I don't even feel like you've had to totally use Kevin Durant yet. Yeah, and again, I want to be fair. I want to be completely fair to um, the Suns and the fact they won this series in five games. They won the series in five games, yet this is one of the most competitive series you're ever going to see for a five-game yeah, every game was close I mean, in the fourth quarter. They, every game was close in the fourth. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable, and yet it just goes to show you why the Phoenix Suns were the better team. And you know they were the better team because of the talent. And in the end, the talent won out. In the end, yes, were they competitive games? Yes. But the Suns found a way to win four of those five competitive games. Four of them. Why? Even though they were competitive, even though it was very consistent, Throughout the whole series, how competitive this was, even though they didn't have Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. How did the Clippers make it so competitive? Well, maybe the Suns were bored. Well, the the Kawhi-Paul George thing... You know, we'll never know how that would have turned out. But I I will just say this. And and it could have been scary if they had Kawhi and Paul George. But... It would have brought something else. See, this is just me as a player. I, that's, I, I, I think I'm going to say what I, you're about to say. I think it would have brought something else out in the Suns. <laughs> and, and I know there's no way to truly say that, but I also think this, that the Suns are getting better as this goes. So you could say, hey, man, if they had Kawhi and Paul George, maybe some of these close games are going their way. Yeah, that's probably true. But if you told me they were playing the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George in the third round, I just think the Suns are getting better and better and better as this goes. And... The reason they're closing out these games, even though they should have closed it out probably differently, should have, in in quotes, last night, when these games are close, I'm going to take the team team that has Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. That's why they have these two for close games. Look, I I know that fans are out there and they're thinking to themselves, you know, you got to be kidding me, Wolf. What are you talking about? These guys get paid all this money. They get paid all this money to go out and do this right now. They should have steamrolled the Clippers. They should have easily won this game. Going away, of course, you can say whatever you want to say, but there were two real human natures. Human force nature, so to speak, that was at work in this series. Number one was desperation. Do you think the Clippers knew we we are we're we're so hosts. We are really up against it. Do it's remarkable what the Clippers knew. Yeah, Indeed. what they did, what they did, knowing that. Yes, yes, I think it's 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 all the credit in the world to that team and that head coach. Yes, all of that desperation right there. And by the way, do you think the Suns knew? Okay, <laughs> we're playing the Clippers, and they don't have Paul George, and they don't have Kawhi, and we saw how competitive it was, and they actually won a game when they had Kawhi. Um, you know, yeah, you can tell yourself, be ready. This is the NBA. Are you kidding me right now? Be ready. This is basketball at the highest level our species can generate. Be ready to go out and ball out right now. But you can't you can't forget that these are human beings that are playing the game. Would you like that to be the case? 
where you could manufacture that kind of desperation, yeah, you'd love for that to be the case. But it isn't because they know the harsh reality. This was a team that were playing without their two best players. And it wasn't like it was just their two best players, relatively speaking. You're talking about two guys that have done a lot in the association. Yeah, but, but part of the reason that you look at it and you say, man, you know, I wish they would have closed that game out when they were up by 15 or whatever. Part, part of the reason you do that after a win is the big picture. What can they do? Big pic- Well, the big picture is getting smaller now, right? You need to win 12 more games. Ultimately, like if that if that were if that won the NBA title last night, would anybody be sitting here being like, yeah, but they should have won by 18. Who cares? They won there. Do you see this team right now as they are playing losing four out of seven? Right. They've lost one out of 13 with Kevin Durant. I, I know exactly what you're saying right now. But again, as a player, what am I doing? I am picking. I'm picking it's different stats. for the players. I well, yes. well again, this is my perspective. I am looking at what I need to do to get better because right now there are a lot of like a killer instinct. That would be really really nice to say we could develop this. Uh, I that's one area you can look at. Another area is the physicality still. It's still about the physicality. The rebounding it's still in the first about half. the rebounding. Oh my goodness, it's still about the defensive end of the floor as well. They have to get better. If they want to win a championship, they have to get better. Right now, the way they are set up, and we'll obviously get into this a lot throughout the show, but they are set up in such a way where if something were to happen to Booker or KD, I don't think they'd have much of a chance. But as long as they have both those guys, I will stand by this. I'm not picking another team over them in a best-of-seven series. Uh, we come back, what was Kellen Olsen's biggest takeaway from the Suns series win against the Clippers? We're going to ask our own Phoenix Suns guru next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I can see you out there, Kellen. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. <laughs> Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. And Kellen Olsen joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line following last night's Suns closeout victory over the L.A. Clippers. Uh, Kellen, who also has a piece up on Arizona Sports already today, Wolf. I just saw him at the game of last course. night. He's already got a, ser- a piece up uh, previewing the series with the Nuggets. Which we're gonna get killer. into. Hey, he is. I mean, he's got the killer instinct you were talking about. He's got the killer instinct. Kellen, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Great. <laughs> Are you a little tired, Killer? Are you okay? You doing all right? Tired isn't an option this year, Wolf. Oh, no, no. I got oh, your right. tired rider. That. Uh, all right, Kellen. Let's let's start with the game last night and the performance by Devin Booker. It's the second time we've seen him close out a team from L.A. with a forty-seven point performance, and yet you know the Lakers one wasn't that long ago. It was only two years ago, but the one last night just kind of felt different. What were your impressions of what you saw? Yeah, it was it was just it was definitely different because the the one two years ago was more of a statement. I, I think it was five or six threes in the first quarter in in uh, then Staples Center against the Lakers, and this one was more of the heroics again. This is three of the five ser- uh, games in this series where he's kind of looking around, seeing what's going on, seeing who else is stepping up, seeing how the game's going. He's like, all right, I'll do it. And then he, he did it. And that is incredibly difficult to do for a multitude of reasons. And he's not – he's made it look as easy as it could look right now. And it's pretty remarkable to see 
I think that Jimmy Butler's phenomenal run for Miami right now is the only reason why it's not indisputable that Booker's been the best player in the first round so far. I still would say that he has been, and, and you just look at the series stats, they're laughable. He averaged 37 points, he shot 60% from the field. Those are dominant center numbers, and he's a guard. Uh, it was it was mind-boggling to see that uh, last night in the third quarter and just how he completely swung a, another one of these games. Yeah, you know, they scored th- uh, 50 points, of course, in that third quarter and then really struggled in the fourth quarter. Killer, what do you think the Suns are most concerned about? Yes, they won the series, but what do you think they're most concerned about after Game 5? I think that it would be the defensive play. I think if we were just talking overall from everyone's perspective, it would be integrating Kevin Durant and making him look like a focal point of the offense consistently. I think that that has been challenging to do at times throughout the series. And then you go through and look at exactly what happened in the fourth quarter, which was they were trying to get him the ball in some of those possessions, but it just wasn't a consistent enough effort. And there wasn't, there just wasn't connectivity to getting him the ball. Like they were looking for him and then they were, they were just kind of all standing there when they were trying to get him the ball. There wasn't enough movement. It was just a lot of things that were kind of going off. But from their perspective, I think it's gotta be their defense. You look at that 40 point second quarter, for the Clippers, and you look at the way that the Clippers were able to score in this series, it was just a lot of dribble penetration and a lot of offensive rebounding and second-chance points when it was successful for the Clippers there, and the Suns have got to clean some of that stuff up after they went on a title this year. Talking to Kellen Olsen. Uh, Kellen, I'm, I'm admittedly too high on this team. I'm not certainly not the only person that thinks they will win the title, but, I mean, coming out of that series and seeing what Booker's done, and, and like you just kind of said right there, it's, they haven't even fully unlocked Kevin Durant. Uh, but also, I realize there are other good teams in these playoffs. What, what type a team. You don't even have to give me a specific name of a team, but just what type of team do you see potentially giving the Suns the most problems? I think it's a team that can that can pretty much win the math battle every time. And what I mean by that is a team that's really proficient from generating threes and making threes, and then also crashing the offensive glass because. The Suns in that game last night, man, it, I, I think midway through the second quarter, early in the second quarter, they had like five three-point attempts, and, and that has been a problem for them throughout this series. And it, it's it's okay. Like You do not need threes to win. At, at like you can, you, I'll rephrase that. You can take threes at a low-ish rate in the playoffs and still win, but you can't attempt like 15 or 20 in a game or 25 in a game consistently. Like You have to give them up and give yourself a shot because that's what today's NBA is about right now. And so I don't know. I don't think Denver is necessarily that team. I think that Golden State obviously jumps out for a myriad of reasons. And, and I think that the other side of the ball, you look for a team that matches up defensively. I don't think that that's Denver. I think that that's more Golden State. So they're, they're the answer for me right now. Killer, do you think Book reached a new level of greatness last night? Yeah, absolutely. I I've seen like the various evolutions in his game so far and following them over the since the start of his career and I don't it, you say you don't recognize someone it's often a negative it, it's a negative thing right I mean this in a positive way like I don't recognize him right now at all like I don't know who this guy is it, it's just the level that he's unlocked not in terms of taking over games specifically but the way in which he's doing it through his just like raw energy is just I haven't seen anything like it before in, in the Suns jersey personally. Like I'm, I'm sure the shows have, have got into it and are going to go over it right now. But you talk about the all-time form that he's in right now and like the apex of his game he's reaching. I don't know how many times we've seen this in Valley Sports in general. Someone reached the level that he just did, and and that it's just so 
unheard of the way that he's been able to do this in a 25-point quarter. It's happened three times since 1997 in the history of the NBA. It, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty crazy what he's been doing. Uh, Kellen Olson's joining us. Kellen, you have part one of your son's Nuggets preview up on ArizonaSports.com this morning, and it focuses on that matchup between DA and Nikola Jokic. Now, I know people are down on DA, and I know that he has been consistently inconsistent throughout his career. But is it safe to say that he became a lot more important when it was clear that they're playing Denver now in the second round? Yeah, absolutely, because these two teams, for the second straight round, the Suns are playing a team from that 2021 run, and very well could be three in a row against the Lakers. Next round, perhaps, we'll see, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, the Nuggets series was all about Nikola Jokic two years ago because Jamal Murray was hurt, and I, the Suns were always going to win that series, but the reason why it was such an emphatic sweep is because DeAndre Aiden, in my opinion, outplayed Nikola Jokic. I think you can debate that, and that's more subjective, certainly, but he at least matched Nikola Jokic, and I believe Jokic shot 42% when defended by Aiden, and Jokic is typically a guy that shoots 50, 55, 60%, and then eye test-wise, you watched it just the way DeAndre was able to match everything he was doing from a footwork perspective and running him up and down the floor, challenging him on the offensive glass. He helped wear down Jokic as well, and that type of guy that we saw contribute in that kind of way just wasn't there in the first round. And so they need that type of effort and performance from him like we saw two years ago. And that's the whole thing with Yeh and what you're saying about the consistent, consistently consistent part is that we know what he's capable of. And this is, this is going to be case in point because we know what he's capable of against an MVP. And we'll see if they get that guy. If, if the Suns do get that guy from two years ago, they will comfortably win this series. If they don't, it turns in more into a coin flip. And if we're judging it by the way those five games are going, they're not going to get that guy right now. But we know that he can turn it around. We know that it's a game-to-game, series-to-series case with him, and we'll just have to wait and see. Giller, what do you make of campaign coming in at the 441 mark of the second quarter and playing only three minutes? What do you make of all that? I think Monty wanted to find a way to get him into the game, but for whatever reason, he did not want that to be in the heart of the rotation, the usual heartbeat of the rotation. So the guy subbing in for Chris Paul, one of the first two or three guys off of the bench, I, for whatever reason, maybe just because it's the last game, not the last game of a series, but it was, it was poised to be the last game of the series and was looking like he didn't want to mess up the, the flow of the rotation perhaps and, and just find him three or four minutes there to get him out on the floor at least because of how important he's going to be in, in the lane. I would be shocked if he wasn't the first guy or the second guy off the bench to start the Nuggets series to be honest. I was shocked that he wasn't last game but I, he clearly, clearly has a lot of faith in Landry Shamit still. Uh, that's another comp- uh, conversation for another day but with Cam specifically, that's what I made of it. And I just think, again, like game one in Denver on Saturday, if he's not the first or second guy off the bench, I'll be surprised. You know, Kellen, we talk a lot about how this team is built right now to get better the deeper they go in the playoffs, potentially. Now five games in, they get a series win. What, in your mind, was was their biggest step forward in, in these five games against the Clippers as a team? I think just getting time together on the floor. And I think that the... The scary part for the opposition that they're dealing with right now is that they haven't really come close to unlocking their full potential, but they needed battle-tested games, which is what the playoffs was going to obviously bring them because we talked about 8-0, 8-0, and, and a lot of people looked at 8-0 like it was a positive. And to me, it was more of a negative just because of the lack of competition that they faced within that. That Dallas game in Dallas was really the only high-level, competitive, close basketball game late that they were able to play across those eight games with each other. 
And now they just got five in a row with, with this, and they're they're going to be much much better off for it. And I think we're going to see signs of progress against Denver, and I think that they're going to take these couple of days and then take that three day break next week between games two and three and really come together and figure out exactly how they want to implement Kevin Durant because that's really the main story to take away from these five games. It's still very much an ongoing process. And by the way, he still averaged 28, 7, and 6 and shot 51. <laughs> did you look at the box score like me? Look, I was like, how did he have 31? How did absolutely that did. When I was yes. walking out of there, yes. I was like, Katie had 31 yes. points tonight. 31 points. Just a quiet 31, no big deal. So efficient. Yeah. Yeah, they they don't call you a top three player in the world, like a top 12 player of all time for nothing, right? Yeah, his baseline seems to be like 28 on an off night. Kellen, great stuff, man. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Giller. That's uh, Kellen Olson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. And we're not doing it next, Wolf, but we are going to have a listeners-only meeting a little bit later on in the show. Okay, so cool. Get, get, kind of gauge Suns fans' uh, confidence levels now that you've seen the series win. Uh, when we come back, though, we got to talk some Devin Booker and really get into it because he's reaching another level this postseason. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. I tried to show Yeah. I tried to show Yeah. 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 Oh, I thought you were going to do I thought you were going to do the whole song <laughs> you said, yeah. I wish That's, that's why no, I waited that, No, that would be my part If I were on stage, that'd be my part Yeah, they just bring you out to go Yeah, yeah. That's fair I could I, do that I, 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 I saw mean, I could. Well, they, so I do it. You, you brought up Coachella like the, the other triangle, day Remember, right? I used to play yeah, the triangle Yeah, you could be that like, guy I, You know, I could do that Yeah they brought the the gorillas were there over the weekend, and they brought a guy out just to laugh at the start of the song, and that was it. He, he, <laughs> yeah. so, yes, oh, that's so good. <laughs> so Can you like, imagine that? This dude? could be Wolf. Wolf could just walk oh. out on stage and go, "Yeah, all, all right, here we go." Cue the laugh. There you go. That could be you. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> Feel good, right? That's the song, right? Okay. They could have brought Wolf out if they they needed somebody. They could have brought Wolf out. Okay. All right. Let's get serious here. Okay. Let's get let's get book. Shall we? If you Google forty-seven points, just Devin Booker comes up. I just found that out as I was looking at this. Okay. Uh, There's so many different ways you can look at the the stats from last night's game for him. They're all unbelievable. Like this one from ESPN Stats and Info. Devin Booker, the first player in NBA history to have at least 45 points and 10 assists in a series clinching win. Anytime you're the first player in NBA history to do something good like that, that's pretty. 25 points in the third quarter last night. The Suns had 50 in the third quarter last night. Uh, It's the second time in five closeout wins in Devin Booker's career that he's put up 47 points in a game. I don't think it's a shock to anybody that's been watching him his whole career that he shows up for big games. But man, did he show up for a big game last night. It was just absolutely huge. You know, Basinonians, when I was a seven-year-old kid, my mom, Hoopy, she used to tell me stories about men that would drink beer in bar rooms and get into brawls on a Saturday night, right? She, she would call them bad men. (laughs) 
You don't want to be a bad man. You don't want to be that. And yet I was a seven-year-old kid, and I was thinking to myself just how great, how awesome that would be to be a guy that drank beer and got into fights. Oh, so the Saturday. So it kind of like, <laughs> like I was thinking, man, you know what? Can you imagine the guy who doesn't even care? He'll drink a beer and start throwing punches. You know, and just a guy, he's not afraid of anything, a guy that does that. He's not afraid of anything. How cool that must be to not be afraid of anything. Uh, watching the game last night and watching Devin Booker last night made me feel like I was seven all over again. This is a bad, bad man. And you watch him go out, the fearless nature of Devin Booker and how he competes. It just, Luke, I'm never going to get tired of it. I'm never going to get tired of the smolder that he brings to the floor, the intensity, the way he taps into the rage tree. You can see it. And yet he's, he's nothing but class. The way he goes about it, I absolutely love it. It's it the perfect example last night of somebody who it's it's not. Hey, there's a big moment. Like, how are you going to respond to the pressure? Are you going to be okay? No, he he thrives. He wants that big moment. He's not the only player in NBA history we've seen do that. But I tell you what, the other names that are popping in your mind right now of like, oh yeah, this guy wanted the biggest stage in the playoffs. Well, those names that are popping into your mind right now are the best players in like ever. <laughs> so you want to have a player like that that's wired like that. And I maintain that... Did you it, just say ever, Well, Luke? I'm not Did saying that say for ever? Booker yet. He's, but the players that are popping in your mind are like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Like Those are the best players ever. I don't know what you're talking and, about, Luke. And he's got that mentality. No, I know. You're right. I, he just, doesn't have any rings. He's got to win rings. It doesn't feel funny to say that, though, right? You know, Michael oh. Jordan and Kobe Bryant. I'm not, I'm not saying he is those I, players. I know that, but it, it, but, it but feels that mentality, weird, yeah, it? It, it, it does. That's why it, I didn't say their names. <laughs> so you forced me to say their names. I was going to let the audience put it together. I understand. Uh, you know, and that's why, and we'll get into this, of course, but Jamal Murray, that's why this matchup coming up, this could be one for the ages, man. Yeah. Jamal Murray okay. has had a really good playoff series before, like a few years ago against Donovan Mitchell, but we'll, we'll get into that. But yes. as, as far as Booker last night, again, I'm not saying he's an all-time great he's got to win rings but he is he has that mentality of okay somebody needs to step like we saw it in game three somebody needs to step up i'll just give you 44 points yes okay, last night's a closeout game we don't want the series to drag on and you talked before and we're going to talk about this more the suns didn't have that killer instinct last night to put this team away when they were up by double digits but he did book did devin booker did book did and and they won because of it so you know, it just I, I maintain yeah. that it means more because he's been here his whole career. Yeah, he is a bad, bad man, Basinonians, and it was an elimination game that he was a bad, bad man. The the, the stakes were big, and Devin Booker was bigger, and that's that is something that again is he growing? Yes. Did he grow from last night's game base on earnings? I'm just telling you right now. You look at Devin Booker and you're like, what are you talking about, Wolf? He's as good as we've seen. He, Devin Booker doesn't need to grow. No, he, he's still growing. I promise you inside, he's still growing. And what he did last night, Book took another step last night in becoming legendary. He's developed into a full-blown superstar, and all he needs to do is continue to do it at the highest level and when it matters the most. 
and we all know what that means, championship ring. He's averaging just over 37 points a game in these playoffs. Now, you may look at that and say, okay, that's not sustainable. Well, maybe not 37, but as long as Kevin Durant's out there, it's not like teams can throw their whole defense just at exactly. Devin Booker. How big is that? It's, it's That's a huge. true statement by Luke, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> a true statement wow. right there. Thank you. I like it we ought to have a sounder for when Luke says something that is so spot on, so true. Just we ought to have some playing type all of sounder. <laughs> just be a constant something siren. Fire it off, Mal. How about this? So we played Kevin or Devin yesterday, right? Yeah, okay. All four of us, without hesitation, said, well, okay, it's a closeout game. Devin Booker. Think about that for a second. The other guy in the game is Kevin Durant. Right. And we all were like, oh, yeah, obviously Devin Booker. And he had 47 points. Yeah. KD had 31, and he got outscored by 16. 31 points. (laughs) I still can't even believe he had 31 (laughs) points. It was like, you know, he scored 11. He's just eight. You know, I mean, he goes out there and he scores 31. It's just so easy for for KD. It's just so easy, man. I'm just out here. I'm balling. Yeah. I'm just hooping. I'll just, yeah, By the end of the night, I'm going to have 30-something. Yeah. We all know that. That's, that's By the baseline. way, don't, don't get in my face because I'll make it 40 in a heartbeat. Yeah, don't, if you want to go ahead and shift all that attention over to Booker, if you even <laughs> can do it the way he's playing, then, you know, KD's more than capable as well. Uh, I do want to play this real quick just because I like the perspective of Kevin Durant talking about Devin Booker. Yeah, it was spiritual. Like, I, don't show too, I don't scream too much in the games no more as I got older, but when we hit that three on, on the top of the key, I felt the energy, and I know everybody in our crowd felt it. So we feed off of his aggression, um, not just us on the team, but Suns fans watching TV, Suns fans in the arena. Like His impact and his presence just means a lot to us. So that was incredible to see and to be a part of. Yeah, it was electrifying last night in that arena. You know, you were there, Wolf. And, and even, even before he really started going off, there was this thought of like, yeah, but Booker's got it tonight. Like he just, he, he does. Even even when they were down at halftime, it was like, I feel like Booker's just getting going. He's a bad man. Uh, when we come back, the NFL draft is tomorrow, which means it is time for Wolf's third freak of his 2023 freak show. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right in the middle of all this, the NFL draft starts tomorrow. Uh, by virtue of the Suns winning last night, Wolf, we get to like actually cover the draft tomorrow night, too. That would have been interesting if the Suns were playing in the middle of the draft. Man, I'm so glad. Honestly, just so glad that they took care of business last night, right? Yeah. Got it done. The Suns put the final nail into the Clippers' metaphorical coffin. It is interesting, too. They may, Kellen said this earlier. They might play the same three teams, in theory, that they played two years ago, just sort of in a reverse order. But we'll get to that. I want to get to football here, and I want to set you up now. Now for this is freak number three of four for Wolf's 2023 freak show. And this right here, let me just say this quickly, Basinonians. Once again, a freak is a guy that, first of all, it's a term I use of endearment. It's somebody who's incredibly talented, of course, but they may not be the best football players, but their numbers, their measurables, their ability is freakish. And this guy personifies that better than anyone else, I think. And he's my favorite. This is my favorite freak of the four that we have today is my favorite. What do you say we roll that now? Ladies and gentlemen, step right up. You will be mesmerized. 
potential. Their size and athleticism set them apart from the rest. Forget about the bearded lady folks or the yak woman. This is Wolf's Freak Show. I'm about ready to get freaky up in here. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen. See the man that drives other men into the ground. Watch the man truck stop 300 pounders with the greatest of ease. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen. See the man they call the Hulk. Yeah. Darnell Washington, tight end, Georgia. Oh, this is beautiful. Darnell Washington may be the baddest man in this draft. And although he has many freakish qualities, the biggest freak factor he has is his penchant for driving you into the ground with a square jaw and bloody green knuckles. Yeah, that's what I said. Green knuckles. But they Speaking of green knuckles... The Hulk was created by Stan Lee and artist Jack Kirby for Marvel Comics in 1962. What a great year 1962 was, my friends. The comic book superhero was different from so many others that preceded him. He was flawed and prone to anger. Darnell Washington might not have the speed that scouts are looking for or the athleticism they crave, but his anger is his opponent's disaster. The tight end for the national champion Georgia Bulldogs doesn't like his opponent and doesn't like you, at least if you're between the white lines. Watching him on tape is like watching the Hulk destroy buildings, throw buses across lakes, and rip the mouth of a T-Rex wide open. He loves the game, and you can see it on tape. He is the best stud tight end, the best blocking tight end to come out in the draft since, oh, I don't know, nobody? At 6'7", 270 pounds, he lines up on a tackle's hip and makes the tackle look like a typical guard. His butt is high, but sinks quickly at the point of attack and covers up the edge with a plum. You can almost hear the guttural scream coming from his opponent as he desperately tries to set the edge and stop his retreat, but he can't. Although by all accounts, Darnell is mature and humble away from the field, like Dr. Robert Bruce Banner. His alter ego is anything but. Washington has strength, technique, and temperament to be one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. His rookie year! Dr. Banner was physically weak, socially secluded, and emotionally tepid. He had disassociative identity disorder, which when summoned, manifested itself as a green-skinned, muscular, hulking human possessing superhuman strength. The Hulk. Although Bruce Banner was a physicist, NFL scouts have studied the movements of Washington and say things like phenomenal blocker, huge frame, red zone weapon, reliable hands, too big for safeties, great after the catch, tough to get on the ground, solid route runner, fearless in the middle of the field, and in a word, upside. Darnell Washington is a stud, a throwback tight end that allows teams to use 11 personnel exclusively and run down situations. This turns me green with envy. Makes me mad. Real mad. Just like Bruce Banner. Wolf's Freak Show with Wolf and Luke. 
That was the one. That's the one. You that's, knew it was coming. Not only did I know that was coming when when you you know said, okay, I got four freaks for the freak show this year. Uh, I knew this was your guy when I watched him against Oregon in week one of the college football season, Wolf, and I was like, this guy doesn't... He looks bigger than everybody else on the field, and he's a tight end. Yeah. Who were they playing? Oregon. Oregon. Oh, yeah. the yeah. Ducks. Quack. Um, quack. Are you trying to provoke uh, the person that controls your microphone? Well, you know what? Hey, I'm just saying, hey, listen, right now, I, I've taken a few shots over the last few weeks. Have you? Okay, so I thought I'd fire back. Oh, okay. Quack. My response is, go Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even yeah. do that much. So Washington came into the season with 17 catches in college football. And yeah. It's not like he had some monster year this year. Yes. 28 catches, two touchdowns, nope. 454 yards. In that game, what do you have? I'm looking up now at 33, 33 yards on two catches, but you could see him on every play, and you're like, what, that guy's, is he from a different league? Like, why? And we're talking about an SEC team. We're talking yes. about a team that just won the championship again. Uh, yeah, so I was going to be disappointed. That was the name I kept saying this way. I didn't say the name, but I kept saying there was one guy I want to want to make sure he's in the freak show, and he was, so I feel better. You know, he's raw, too. This is the great thing about Darnell Washington. He's raw. He can get so much better. He can use better technique. This is something he's got to do. He's got to keep his base. He's got to get into his man. But he, he's he got to learn how to control himself, I think, more than anything else. He's 6'7", 270 pounds, legit. Now, I know at the combine, he weighed 264 pounds. He was probably trying to get it down. But this is a guy that also, Georgia will tell you, weighed 280 pounds. And went out and balled out and buried many a guy. He's got to improve his technique, but he is, he's everything you want in a true stud tight end and base and earnings. I can't stress it enough. In this new age, this new world, this new NFL, 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Just how dangerous that is when you can do it exclusively in rundown situation, exclusively. How awesome that is when you got a tight end who can hold up at the point of attack. Not only hold up, but thrive at the point of attack. Man, uh, Darnell Washington, whoever gets this guy, is going to have a huge schematic plus. Well, you know what they say about rundown, too. It's fun down. Yeah, see, thought I forgot. Run down is fun down. Again, what would I love to see ultimately for the Arizona Cardinals? They get a stud tight end, a true stud tight end, and then they use Zach Ertz in twelve personnel. He'd be like having an, another wide receiver. But then what do you he do with Trey McBride? Like well, hope you use a lot of 13. <laughs> so I'm looking at Mel Kuyper's final uh, position rankings. He has Darnell Washington fourth overall in tight ends. And again, it's not like he had bad numbers last year, but his numbers, I'm sure, yeah. compared to some of these guys behind him, just the raw stats don't compare. But it's like you said, it's the upside and it's just the freaks, the best way to put it, like the freakish upside that he has. Yes. Other guys don't have that. Here we go. Darnell Washington, tight end, Georgia. One of the top tight end athletes in this year's draft who relies on pure power to displace defenders. At six foot seven, 260 pounds, Washington presents opposing defenses with a perennial mismatch. 
However, he needs to work on his overall blocking and catching technique to become a consistent force. Despite some brushing up on the basics, his massive frame and shredded physique means he can bring value both in blocking and receiving schemes for any team. NFL comparison, former Arizona Cardinal Darren Fells. Um, yeah, okay. Darren Fells, only even better. I, was say, I don't know that there is a, a... I mean, I know you have to do one for each draft capsule, yeah. but I, don't, I, I can't think of a player that was like, oh, that's who Darnell Washington reminds me of. Like, no, <laughs> I, I can't think of a tight end. And let me just say this, because I'm glad you brought him up. Trey McBride, I'm not giving up on Trey McBride. I am not. Trey McBride needs to understand what is expected of him, and he needs a tight end coach who's going to line up and say, you got to do this. This is what I want from you. You got to do this. He's got to embrace the role of being a Y, a stud tight end. He's got to embrace that. And hopefully you will. We come back. We'll get back into basketball. The Clippers did not go away until the very end. Are you concerned at all about how tough they made that series on the Suns? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.